I always believed in serving those that were paying me first. So my clients were always going to come first when I had the agency, even though I'd started doing things like Facebook marketing and podcasting and things for my own brand, I was still going to always put my clients first. Then when I could focus my time specifically on growing our platform and messaging, I could reach people in a whole different way. And so there was, you know, several more books written and more podcasts published and a Facebook live show and reaching out to partners and speaking at conferences and being able to reach a much broader audience. And so within a year, I was able to reach over a million people just by having a focused approach to communicating with our target market. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I just finished interviewing Kim Walsh Phillips. Now, Kim has almost a million followers on Facebook, so she knows what she's doing as far as uh, promotion, getting engagement, and that we don't have a lot of people in marketing on uh, Secrets of Success, but I think Kim's sort of genuine level and integrity is a value for all of us that we don't have to manipulate. We don't have to misrepresent to make an impact in the marketplace in whatever level it is. Is it as a, a leader, as an individual that's helping others to grow? So in that vein, uh, just you know, stay put, and we'll have Kim on here in a minute. Uh, in the meantime, as you know, this show is sponsored by Consulting Resource Group. So we publish 12 you know, core assessments. Our number one assessment being the personal style indicator, which participants say is the number one personality assessment that they have ever taken, bar none, no matter what the other ones were. And this is constantly being said in our three-day certification. So I want to encourage you that you consider helping yourself to get clear about who you are and taking that strengths approach to your life in a way that you've never done before. That is the reason why we created uh, Why Aren't You More Like Me, uh, the e-course, which is actually based on my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me? So consider that. We'll have that in the show notes there for you. Thank you, as always, for uh, listening to Secrets of Success. If you have a moment, you know, leave a positive comment, share, pass it on to others uh, that you uh, care about. So again, thank you for listening. So here is our guest, Kim Walsh Phillips. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, when we think about success in life, this individual has achieved amazing success in the marketing space or helping others to market and has proven that herself with almost, almost a million followers on Facebook alone. We were just talking about that before we got on air. And so she's proven or has a track record of having communications that really get heard. So welcome to the show, Kim Wallace Phillips. Kim, welcome Thank to the you show. So much, Ken. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And we were just talking off air that you also know a colleague that uh, I've known for many years, Dan Kennedy. You're coming out with a new book with him here in a little bit. So we'll make sure that that announcement gets into the place there. But uh, thanks for hanging out with us. My pleasure. Now, Kim, one of the things we like to do in Secrets of Success is, uh, before we get into all this amazing success that you've had, is your story about where you grew up and just sort of your journey 
to get to this place. So uh, what was sort of some of your family of origin things that occurred for you? I grew up in a house with a stay-at-home mom who absolutely positively loved being a mom and she was scared of a lot of other things um, outside of that space and a dad who worked super, super hard for the government and was Army Reserve. Mm. And so they were amazing, loving, caring parents that taught me incredible values of hard work and taking good care of others and gifting and things that I and so thankful for to this day. But a few things I had to unlearn was that hard work doesn't necessarily equal success and that when you are scared of things, it's usually a sign of where you're about to have major growth. And those mm. were a few things that awesomely not only was I able to figure that part out, but my parents are a major part of my life to this day and are incredibly supportive of what I'm doing now. In fact, as I'm recording this, we're in quarantine, and my mom chose to live with us during this time period just to be able to help with the kids so I could continue to serve the world in the way that I do. So it's amazing. Um, I never could have dreamt all these things back then, but we did come full circle. Thankfully. Yeah, well, of course. And you never know when somebody's going to listen to this recording. We have some interesting times, and I'm sure everybody will know what we mean by that. And it's nice that yeah. uh, mom is supporting you at this at this time. Now think about your high school days. Did you go to college or did you go to take a university degree? I did go to college. I've always enjoyed speaking and writing and I'm thankful that I leaned into those and I've had some incredible professors along the way that encouraged me to do that. And I was editor-in-chief of the literary magazine in high school. I was, I had my own column in the paper. And then going into college, I had a minor in theater and I majored in English and communications and PR. So it's just amazing because none of this stuff, like the digital marketing space wasn't there and so many things I do now, but you can see how my past and the things I was drawn towards mm. were all what make up my career now. And so we, in some ways, like when I'm doing work with my kids, I like to look at it and think, what purpose is this going to play later on? But the reality is many of my experiences in my youth definitely built up to where I am now. And I think a lot of us can see those types of paths that maybe developed over time. Mm. Well, we know that and, and our work is around purpose. And we know a lot of people don't know what their purpose is or their life direction. What do yeah. you think um, drove your clarity so early in life? I'm a, I've always been a woman of strong faith, and I didn't grow up in a house where faith was a part of our daily dialogue, and so I consider it a gift that I've had that, and I've had a conversational relationship with God for years, and that I listen when he's directing me in some way, and I'm so thankful that that's the case. That's really where it's come from, but I'll tell you, um, and we'll get into my work career for at some point, but when I ran my agency. It was over a decade of God sharing with me that I should sell it because I could never reach as many people as I could if I still kept doing that. Because like really at the height of that company, we could reach 30 clients and 30 clients is great, but you can only, you're reaching 30 people and helping them serve more. And so finally, like on the day I had released it to God and said, okay, it's yours. You do with it what it should be done so that I can go on to do other things. Three offers came for my company that week. And mm. when I sold, the year that I sold, 
we were able to reach 11,000 customers. And then in less than three years, our revenue in my new firm, um, my new company that reaches a much larger audience, um, reached revenues that I never hit in my agency in the 21 years that I had it. So it's like that um, visual that, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a picture of God or it could be Jesus or wherever you believe that entity to be. It's standing there and that you're holding this, you know, the, the child's holding a little tiny bear and God is holding this giant teddy bear behind his back and he's like, just give me the bear. Just give me your little tiny bear. I have this amazing gift for you. Mm-hmm. You just have to trust me. And it, it, I thankfully I eventually did, but it took me more than a decade to do it. Well, uh, not everybody uh, listens clearly. We'll we'll talk off air about that one for a yeah. bit, Kim. So thank you for sharing that. So let's kind of just scroll back. You said something um, interesting earlier that I don't want the listeners to miss. You said hard work does not necessarily mean success. Yeah, right. Where did where did that statement come out of? Where like where was that birth for you? Yeah, so I thought working all the time like should equal success, and I've always, when my first company wasn't going as I wanted, I thought just putting more effort in would be the solution that was called upon, and in some ways that had served me well, like that whole adage, going go the extra mile because it's a lot less crowded there, that had been my go-to work ethic for a very long time and it's how I you know I got a academic scholarship for college I got to be president of the honor society like all the things that happen because you're willing to go the extra mile but at some point you have to recognize there are some things that we do that are work that aren't producing an ROI for us and we shouldn't keep doing them and I hadn't understood that you know I thought if I just keep doing more maybe that would be what would work and what it resulted in instead was being burnt out and still not achieving the success that I had wanted. And so, you know, you look at the hardest working people right now, like let's say someone who literally has their job is to collect garbage in the worst of weather. They're working really, really hard. But is that necessarily the level of success I want? No. Hard work doesn't necessarily equal success. It's doing the right things consistently that will. So where did you come up with that phrase or was it something your parents taught you or just something that you learned along the way? Yeah, my dad was in government and then so he worked long hours, but then he also was in the Army Reserves for 40 years. And so he would spend evenings and weekends doing another job just to bring in income and benefits for our family. And so I was taught, you know, you work hard to achieve the level of financial success and security for your family that you want. And he did, which is amazing. He got to a level of government that most people never will. And him and my mom were set up then in pension, which is great. But that is not necessarily what will occur just from hard work. Mm, Fair enough. So you go to college, you're taking this uh, degree in English and other items. Uh, Then what happened after that? Yeah, so I went to work in the corporate sector. I worked for a major drugstore chain that we were in the PR department and we were being told to tell answers to the media that I knew weren't true um, because we had people in inner cities being charged more money for drugs than other people and we're cash paying people are being charged more money. And so I didn't feel comfortable with that and I quit that job and shortly thereafter our CEO was indicted. So anyone who follows drugstore journals will know who I work for. Um, he at one point actually took all the employees parking and so he could land his helicopter there so he wouldn't have, you know, a difficult commute. So that told you something about the 
company culture. But anyway, so when I left there, I went to work for a downtown organization that was responsible for all of the business recruitment to the town and all of the marketing and promotions. And that was a really cool job. I did that for several years. I ran all of the city special events and marketing. And then from there, when I was going to work for, I was going to go to another uh, company at that point, someone came to me and said she thought I should own my own business and she wanted to be my first client. And uh, that's what started my first company was that request to be a consultant. Wow. So that yeah. was pretty intentional. Yeah, it really was. And I listened and I still give her credit to this day. Back then I charged $15 an hour. <laughs> um, but yeah, she started. Well, I'm glad that career. you've added a dollar an hour to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good thing, right? <laughs> Starbucks is expensive, so it's important. Oh, well, there you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you started now, so you quit the job and then you started this company. Now, was this the yeah. agency that you had for 20 years? Yeah, it was started as a public relations and special events company. We ran all of the special events for the city. And then I took on additional PR and event clients. But from having had that negative experience with my previous employer, we took on a stance of I was never going to take a client that I wouldn't be willing to be a customer of, donate my own money to, or vote for. So it was a collective philosophy within the company. And then our staff all had that same role. Like you have to believe in them enough that you're willing to be a customer, vote for, or donate to. And we could truly believe in everything that we did, which was fantastic. Um, it ended up leading me to do a lot of celebrity uh, PR and events. I worked with most of the chefs, a lot of the, well, a lot of the chefs from Top Chef and Bravo. We worked with Nat King Cole and um, his daughters in the Nat King Cole Foundation. We did um, a lot of work for different celebrities and their events and their restaurant openings. But again, at some point, it started getting, and a lot of political people, at some point it started getting very shady. And so that's when we backed out again. And I focused specifically on those that I really wanted to work with and who I get to work with still to this day, which are professionals who are used to getting referrals via word of mouth and um, just really referrals and word of mouth and that they wanted to be able to leverage their business and grow their business online. And then ended up becoming my focus of my agency and then even so what I do today. Mm. Well, thank you for that, Kim. Now, let's mm -hmm. just dial back a little bit. Sure. Is you already sort of outlined some core values that are important to you that you wouldn't yeah. work with a client that wasn't in integrity or wasn't aligned with you. What were some mm -hmm. of the other principles you embraced that the Secrets of Success listeners could consider that have been foundational to your success uh, in that business and now this one as well? I take this from a biblical instruction that if they're not willing to listen to your advice, you dust off your boots and walk on. <laughs> so I wouldn't take on clients who weren't coachable, who wouldn't listen to our advice, who weren't, didn't see us as the expert. That was a big one. I believe that value being paid is a exchange of value. So if they wanted something for less than our pricing, that wouldn't work well for us. We wouldn't do it. If they didn't, provide a good service to their customers, we wouldn't do it. Because we, again, we wanted to always believe in it. You know, a good PR campaign or a great Facebook ad can't solve a broken company. So we'd first vet the company itself before we take them on as a client. 
Mm. Now, in addition to that, what would be some other principles that you would share with the audience that were that really contributed to growth? I mean, there's lots of companies that would embrace, okay, I want to work with people who are like-valued, that are in integrity, but their company doesn't grow. So what do you think were some of the foundational pieces to the growth of that first agency? I've always been vision-oriented and know that about myself. I lack detail-oriented skills, and it's definitely not my strength. And <clears throat> I've always focused on what I'm great at and then hired people to do other things. And so and hired them to do other things at what they're great at. And so that's been a part of our growth always. I love doing what I do because it's what I was created to do, and also I hire people to do the other things. And that's a big part of it. The person who tries to be all things to all people will never be able to grow. And I, I even have that within my personal life. I'll tell you, for very early on with having kids, I knew that I wanted to be there for them when they got off the bus each day. And that I also wanted to continue to run, you know, a multi-million dollar company. So what did I have to do to make that possible? Well, I needed to outsource every other thing, which means like cooking, cleaning, home care, management in that way. And so while I am, you know, a full-time mom and a full-time business owner, I don't do any house management things. And so you always have to look oh, at... Oh, bummer, Kim. Strengths? It sounds like you're really disappointed about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I'm disappointed about? It's the current status. I am doing all those things again. <laughs> Remember mm -hmm. how much I dislike them. Um, but right. the, yeah, so, but that's, that's how, like, we can't do it all. Like, we have to understand that we can't do all the things. We can't have a quote-unquote balanced life. But we can decide what our priorities are and make them the focus. And that's always been my path, both in my agency in my company, in my family life, and that I'm going to focus on the things that are my God-given passions and loves because they're not an accident. Those are my gifts. And then I'm going to hire other people to do the rest. And that's been the secret to success of both my company and the one now and in my business. And I would say the other one is I'm a relationship person. And this is a gift I got from my incredible mom and in that She's a gifter. She would never show up at somebody's house without a hostess gift, which is unusual, I've come to find. But I've always gifted people things that are meaningful to them. And I've worked on giving great value before I ask for anything in return. And so I have a very strong uh, relationship network, which is really how, when you mentioned Dan Kennedy, that's how I got to know him as I give and give and give and give and give and, and eventually got his attention. And then he saw the work that I had done, started, me ha started having me do work for him, and when it was so good, asked me to co-author a book with him. And then the book we wrote together was not only his best, not only a bestseller, it's his bestseller of all time because of what I, the effort I put into it. And so the relationships that I've had and then the willingness to bring other team members in, I would say would be the two foundational secrets to success in my companies. Cool, cool. Thank you for that, Kim. I appreciate sure. that. Uh, you know, and when people are listening, one of the work, the work that CRG does, we have our own personality assessment in a book on purpose. And that's, you know, the sad point is most people don't play to their strengths or yeah. they don't even know what they are or they're not in an environment or culture that allows them to focus on that versus, okay, no, that's your job. That's what you're going to do, even if you quote unquote, or that's not your gift, talent, or ability. So I agree yeah. with you. All of us have a purpose, and if we don't know what it is, then that's our responsibility to find it. 
So we concur or we agree with you. So that's great, uh, Kim, about it. So now you have this agency. It's successful. And, of course, from a you know a faith perspective, you listened to m- around marketing it. How was it that was shifting from you were representing these clients, at 30 clients or whatever the number was, and now you said, I want to reach more. Mm-hmm. Didn't the 30 clients leverage into thousands of people itself? How, how was the framework going to be different to go to a higher level as, of influence? I was going to spend more time on larger platforms. So if I was, I always believed in serving those that were paying me first. So my clients were always going to come first when I had the agency, even though I'd started doing things like Facebook marketing and podcasting and things for my own brand, I was still going to always put my clients first. Then when I could focus my time specifically on growing our platform and messaging, I could reach people in a whole different way. And so there was, you know, several more books written and more podcasts published and a Facebook live show and reaching out to partners and speaking at conferences and being able to reach a much broader audience. And so within a year, I was able to reach over a million people just by having a focused approach to communicating with our target market who continue to be those people who work so hard and don't yet have the success that they want and showing mm-hmm. with them some digital marketing strategies they could use to grow their business. Mm. So what's your major focus now, Kim, as far as, you know, beyond what you said, what is it that you do and who do you do it for? So that's clear for the audience. My focus is around coaches who change people's lives. My sole focus in life is to get them as many lives as possible that they can change so they can both support their own families financially and reach the people that they were created to serve. And so I believe that's my change-making purpose is that I help others change lives. Mm, cool. Thank you. So when you transcend, uh, transferred from this large agency into this new business, what were, were there any challenges that you faced shifting sort of the mindset that would benefit the listeners? I loved it. I have to tell you, I had no negativity in there. The only regret I had is that I hadn't done it sooner, and I can't walk backward in time, so I had to let go of that regret pretty quickly. It was just moving forward and focusing on this new opportunity. I've learned things along the way about hiring people, so we really hire to skill versus overall experience or talent. Most of my staff, actually 100% of my staff, now I think about it, none of them have experience doing what they had done before. They're in place now. None of them had done anything like it, but they all had skills that were a good match for the thing that we wanted them to do, which I think is a big part of our success. And they all understand and get that we are our greater purpose, and we pull that in all the time, um, and that it's more about the lives that are changed by our people. So we get to hear these great stories about not just their success, but then the success of the people they coach. And so we have a every... Tuesday staff meeting, we have a you make a difference moment and we share those stories and that's been our company culture from the very beginning, which has been fantastic. Mm, Great. Excuse me. Now, uh, maybe share with the audience this idea, this concept of we hire to the skill, but they haven't had the experience in that space Mm -hmm. before. Can you give us a practical example of how that unfolded? You don't need to use the person's name, but the role maybe would be helpful for the audience. One of our staff people, she runs all the back-end tech on our company, and she works within software that is not super simple. So she works in Infusionsoft and ClickFunnels, and there's these 
things that people can get completely overwhelmed and not work in. And she had never been in either one of them before, but she had shown an experience of being able to get into complex things and figure them out. She had been behind the scenes in a real estate office and had been the person who managed all the paper transactions to make sure that they got done, the closings happened on time and she did everything remotely and figured out all the software and created a system. And so her skill set matched somebody who could figure out a detail oriented technology platform. And so we gave her that job and with each piece she's continued to not only perform, but perform better than we had even expected. I had promoted her about four times in the two years she's worked for us. And then I started bringing her into the executive team level so she can actually help map out strategy because now that she's such a big part of it, she's brought some great ideas to the table that way too. But yeah, we hired on the skill and not on the, or on the ability, not on the experience. Mm. Well, thank you, Kim. Now, how did you even find her as far as, would she have applied for the position if it wasn't a, a match for her? How did you even source this person? She would not have. All of our staff have come from recommendations of others when I let my network know that what type of person I'm looking for. Cool. So you just promote, you put that out there and you say, I'm looking for this kind of skill set. And instead of a job posting in Indeed or Monster, you do it this way. Correct. I've done the Indeed thing. I've hired the other way. I had to do that in my agency several times, but this methodology works way better for us. And we have a small team. I only have six people, full-time people working for me, so I'm able to do it this way. If we were to scale in a large way, we'd have to go back to, I'm sure, a different way of hiring, but right now this has worked great for us. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. And it's heads up for people who are listening where, uh, just a sidebar, Kim, you can use it in your next uh, interview, but only 5% of people actually get hired from job boards. So nice. that's a U U.S. Department of Labor stat. So that, so you kind of prove it that, hey, it's way better to get a referral from somebody who said, hey, listen, Kim, you need to hire this person. And she's yeah, really sure. going to help you out with it uh, uh, going forward. So Kim, now you're in this business of helping others really to leverage their expertise. You know, and as a, a content IP expert, Obviously, this is a space where, you know, services are offered as well. So what is going out there? Let's kind of transition. So first of all, and we'll get back to this in a bit because we probably about 15 minutes left, is where can people find out about you and what is it that you're doing? So we make sure that we've got that for them. I'd love to connect with anyone where it makes sense at PowerfulProfessionals.com. I have a blog on there. I have links to all my places I hang out. But if you search for me under Kim Walsh Phillips, on any platform, I will come right up, which is why that is my name. <laughs> I use all three because there's a lot of Walsh's, there's a lot of Phillips, but there is no other Kim Walsh Phillips, and so you'll be able to find me, and I'd love to connect with you on whatever platform you hang out on. Oh, great. And uh, by, and I apologize for being a bit rude. I didn't ask you about your kids. How old are they? That was not rude at all. They are seven and nine. Seven and nine. Oh, man, what a delightful age. Mine are uh, 24 and 23. So I can, so I'm a father of millennials uh, and they're <laughs> awesome kids. So it is a privilege to uh, parent and think, and congratulations on really making them a focus. I appreciate that uh, as a fellow parent, uh, Kim, about how much we shape them. And it's obvious that your parents have shaped you as well. Right. And you could also tell that's why I needed my mom to stay with us. 
We're homeschooling right now. We're up with that. It's a lot. That's right. Well, seven and nine, uh, I get that where there's a little bit of an attention span that needs the, uh, 25, Dad, I'll call you when I need you. So, right, exactly. <laughs> I get that one. So, Kim, when we think about communications and, you know, Secrets of Success, we don't do a lot of shows on marketing, but I think people communicating effectively to others, there's a lot of people that are out there in the marketplace like ourselves and their messages are not being heard. Their messages are not being taken up. The fact that you have so many followers on Facebook, nearly a million, uh, is a testament to your expertise. What, is, what are you finding in the marketplace? What are people not doing correctly and what do they need to do correctly? So let's just really go into your space right now and share that expertise with people out there as far as how can they and you know, embrace these strategies that you have uh, dialed in. This would work in any situation, so whether it's business, personal, with your kids, people are truly concerned in the what's in it for them. We were created this way on purpose. You know, at our times of creation, it's that we had to make sure that we didn't get eaten by a bear or walk off a cliff or get stabbed. Like we had to make sure we self-protected. And so our instinct is to be self-focused. It's why whenever you see a group photo, you look at yourself first. And that's a reality of whoever you're communicating with. So it's incredibly important up front, right away, to tell them what's in it for them in the message you're trying to convey. They don't care about the what's in it for you not to be rude, not to be self-focused, but that's truly how their brain is wired. So when you're effectively trying to communicate as quickly as possible, tell them the what's in it for them. And this is clarity is so much more important than being clever over and over and over again. Sure, that's that random example of that thing that had the weird name that became super popular. Yeah, that's the random weird example that would never work well overall. It just is a fluke. Instead, effective marketing comes from clear communication that quickly tells the person receiving it what's in it for them. Mm. Can you give us a couple of maybe practical examples that the listeners can convert that concept? Right now, there's restaurants and retailers when we're recording this that are closed because their neighborhoods had ordinances that they're not allowed to be open at this time for health reasons. So a lot of folks will tell people that the restaurants and retailers should put up an ad right now or post, please support us by buying gift cards, right? Well, who does that benefit right now? That would benefit the restaurant and the retailer. And while there's a small portion of people who would operate under that purpose, it's really most people won't. They'll, those that would just go ahead and buy a, a gift certificate or a support in some way will end up posting about it on Facebook that they did it, most people, because they're doing it for social status. Again, not rude. It's just what they are doing. Or mm -hmm. if those businesses want to be effective, they would make the promotion about the customer and not about their business. So what do I mean? If a restaurant wanted to get major cash flow and have a big cash surge, they instead would say, buy a $100 gift card, get another $100 one free. They would make the incentive good enough that it would benefit the customer and not their own business. And that becomes the reason why people buy and not just do it out of the goodness of their hearts. It's why the ice bucket challenge 
I'm guessing that made up to you too up there in Canada. But the ice bucket challenge, (laughs) that's why that was so popular because it wasn't a fundraiser for a charity. It became about your social capital and doing something fun online that was about the individual and not about the charity itself. When you can leverage the what's in it for them and why they want to do it, you're going to be much more effective. So it could even go from the perspective of, your kids and clean their room, it can be instead of like, go clean your room, go clean your room. And when you were done, we will go do this thing. So we will say, okay, and then I'll take you outside to the playground after you clean your rooms. So now they know, okay, I'm paying attention because I want the reward that's going to come after I do the thing. I don't just ask them to clean the room and then mm-hmm. have to get mad if they don't do it and punish them. It's always communicating clearly the what's in it for them. Mm. Very good. Now, I know that uh, Kate, who's your uh, great research assistant, and by the way, she's the one who got you onto the show, Kim. So uh, with that, she was mentioning that uh, some of the things that you do is, you know, how do I generate more social media uh, following? So there's a lot of people that are listening who have different businesses, would rather have, you know, just um, or not rather have, would like to have a little bit more as far as the following and an engagement. how is it that, um, or what is it that people need to do to be able to achieve a little bit more engagement in what they're doing out there in the digital world? The what's in it for them is a really big part, and you can find this out super easily. You can go to a website called answerthepublic.com. That's answerthepublic.com, and it's free. And you can find out what people are, what questions people are asking online right now about your topic area. So find the answers, right? Find the questions and answer them and answer them in the video platform of your choice. It could be video you upload to LinkedIn. It could be Insta stories. It could be a Facebook live show, but all these platforms are craving video content. And so when you post it, they will share it. So if you simply started doing a weekly video that you were answering the questions of people that they were already asking online, right then you're going to be showing up with more value. And so if I didn't have an online presence and I was not thrilled with my engagement right now, that's absolutely the thing that I would do is just to start doing a weekly video where I answer one question people are asking online about my topic area. Oh, cool, cool. And when you think about um, platforms out there, do you have any bias between, let's say, individuals who are just sort of their own sort of personal business versus larger companies? Is there something that you prefer over others or would recommend? Everybody should be on Facebook. There's 2 billion people on there. It's larger than any other network, both online, offline, television in the world. People are more engaged with it and spend more time on it than any other network, including in the Fortune 50 companies. So it doesn't matter if you're B2B or B2C. That's the number one network I would use, and people are shown to engage with content there much more so than your other channels. My second one would be Instagram because there's a billion people on there, and Instagram users crave more content. So you could post a story up to 12 times a day and it's not intrusive. People actually crave content on Instagram, which is unlike any other platform, which most other platforms you would get, you know, lots of unfollows. Um, And then 67% of Instagram users shares that they purchased something that they discovered on Instagram. My next one would be LinkedIn. If you are seeking one-to-one sales, It is a platform that can work well for advertising, but if you're trying to generate an appointment, not as much if you're trying to generate webinar registrations. And then my final one is Twitter. 
if you want to build a network of thought leaders and or media outlets to cover you and news stories. Mm, cool. Thank you for that, uh, Kim. Now, you have this book, and uh, depending on when person's listening to this, so uh, the book that's this uh, second edition of the book with Dan is called what? The No BS Guide to Direct Response Social Media Marketing. And where can they get a hold of that book? Everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, on Entrepreneur Press, Goodreads, wherever you love to buy books, we'd love for you to get this one. Uh, for sure. Now, what are some things that are in that book that uh, we haven't talked about so far, Kim, that would be valuable to the audience? I am one that is not just for clicks or for cash. So anytime in the book that I give a suggestion of how to get an engagement strategy, which you and I talked about, I would follow it up with, this is how you turn the engagement into sales. So we can all spend a whole lot of time giving away our expertise, advice, and um, services on social media, but that's not going to help you pay your mortgage. You know, they don't take Facebook likes for, likes for a deposit, so we're going to always connect massive engagement with massive ROI. And that's what makes my type of social media marketing different and what, how I partnered with my co-author because it, it's all about the ROI. And then how do I achieve that ROI? where other people are not. So what are some of the things and steps that listeners, if they want to consider that, they should um, put that into their stream of strategies? We call it mom, as in mom knows best. And that is first you want to be a magnet for your perfect prospects and giving them great content that they would resonate with and find really valuable, hence answering the questions. Then O, going to get their opt-in, get their contact information so you own the lead instead of them. And then finally, M, you monetize. You sell after you've given value, you've gotten their contact information, and they trust you. Going out of order will be A, an expensive way to grow your business, and B, not a way to convert sales because most people aren't ready to buy at hello, and <laughs> they also won't buy unless you ask them. So it has to be a good ask at the right time, and so you want to build that into every marketing strategy you put out there. Every post should have on the back end, okay, those that engaged with this post, how am I going to get their contact information, and when am I going to ask them for a sale? And you plan that out ahead of time before you start spending any time or money online. Mm. Now let's flip this to the other side, and maybe you've sort of already answered it partly, Kim, is what are some of the biggest mistakes that people do when they're trying to create influence or marketing uh, out there, especially in the digital world? They're expecting overnight successes, and they're not willing to put enough work or consistency in. It takes about six months of consistently posting online to see real results, and, and we had the pleasure of getting to see this with our coaching clients that they need to stick with it. But when they do, eventually, usually around six months, it starts to pay off and then it does consistently. So for a while there, you're going to feel like you're posting and nobody's listening. But it's those that stick with it that have the greatest results. And number two, you have to stay with the same topic. You know, I focused on this training. You and I were chatting before we got on about my Facebook fans, right? So I have this free workshop I do showing people how to get Facebook fans. And it is, there's a lot more things that I'd rather talk about. You and I talked about my purpose and my faith and leaning into all that. And I love talking about those things. I do not love talking about Facebook fans. I'm going to be frank. Not my favorite topic. <laughs> really? Yet, yeah, but I did a live webinar on that topic, wrote a book about that topic, was on podcasts about that topic for over two years. 
because the consistency of messaging is what's required to create authority, expertise, and a following. And so you have to be willing to commit to a message, be clear on that message, and stick with it over a long period of time. Now, let's say somebody starts on this path, does three or four months, and then for whatever reason has a break, and then starts again three or four months later. Do they have to start over again? Pretty much, yeah. So this momentum, such as, you know, Secrets of Success has now been weekly for four years, and it's really just recently that, you know, we've moved into the top 10% of podcasts. Uh, but it was, it was nearly it was nearly four years <laughs> before that happened. Isn't it amazing how long that takes? Right, and so you have to be willing to stick with that, right? It's that quote-unquote overnight success story. I'm like, my overnight success story is 24 years old. There's no overnight success, right? <laughs> but it's being consistent, and then you do have growth. Growth, you do have momentum but you have to be willing to continue to do it as long as it's going into the right direction. It really doesn't matter how slow you go. It's just if you see yourself continuing to take steps forward, you keep on walking. So I've, I want to go back just because it's my own sort of pet peeve, if you can believe it, for me. Uh, I've done 3,000 paid presentations around the world at some time or another, Kim, but I really don't like doing live video. So why, why, do, you say, why do you say to the individuals out in the marketplace who where this uh, to be able to kind of engage this live video side of things now my son is a realtor yeah. he's 24 mm -hmm. and he loves Instagram and the videos there like mm -hmm. that's how he grew his real estate business in one year and you yeah. know to being in one of the top realtors is just doing a video just about every day from some location some open house some tip so what would you say to to individuals around this sort of comfort with live video. Why don't you like live video, Ken? I, I don't know. Uh, I actually, that's a good question and at the expense of um, being unauthentic. I just, I just like the comfort of doing a, a shoot uh, that then we edit it later on, being filmed on the stage, not a problem whatsoever. I have no issue doing a podcast. I've done hundreds of those. No problem with that either, but just doing a video one-on-one -on -one with the camera to the person live, I don't know what it is. Maybe we're going to have to do a little sidebar counseling uh, session with me afterwards. <laughs> well, it's really common with the people that I serve because they are successful professionals who've been doing things a certain way, and most of them have never done a live before. So it's not unusual at all. But where, we ha where I have them visualize and go into is that person first that they're creating. To, they're, they put on this earth to serve, which you're focused on purpose. And let's just say you're a person that you were created to serve. This person's name is Steve. Well, Steve woke up today, and Steve is going to be on Facebook. And if you don't put that video out via live today, he's not going to get to see, and his life will never change. And so we start to make the conversation about is what's more important, having video that's perfect and the most professional, or is it more important to reach your market? And Facebook Live... LinkedIn Live, Insta Story, Insta Live, these platforms let you meet, reach so many more people. 
than you can in the high polish and produced videos that are put out. And so folks just need to make that distinction. The beautiful thing about live video is that it is more forgivable. It is more understandable. People expect it to be more authentic and less polished. And if anyone's listening to this in a time where you still don't have the same mobility than you had before, the best time to start would be right now because it gives you the greatest excuse that you're being called to serve a greater market. And so while you might not have ever done it before, if you want to reach more people and you believe you were put on this earth and to reach them, serve them, and you have something that can change their life, then I will tell you, you have a moral obligation to show up live today. Because if you don't, with the fear of it being imperfect, then what you are saying is that you are more perfect, more important than that other person. And I know that's not what you believe. So go on and go live and start changing the world simply with that video. Mm. Thank you for that. Now, where does, where does YouTube fit into this for you? I have not dove into it as much as is possible because, again, there's a limitation on our priorities, but we do have a lot of videos produced now and that will go up shortly. So we'll be diving deeper into YouTube in the near okay. future. It's a great strategy, though, and those that use it have had great success with it. Well, if you can believe it, Kim, we only have about five minutes left. And <laughs> I want to thank you for everything that you've shared up to this point. But before we kind of wrap up the show, what other principles that you have not shared up to this point would you uh, recommend or suggest to our audience that these might be considerations that have been underpinnings to your success in business and life and with your clients? A detour doesn't mean go home. It means find another way to your destination. So when you, find that. That, yeah, when you find that obstacle in the way, that's not a sign that you aren't supposed to do what you were meant to do. It's a sign that there is another path that is a perhaps better way for you to get there. Um, I don't know if you saw that movie Onward that just came out on Disney. Probably not because you don't have little kids. But it's really good. We, I, was, and, uh, I was very tempted to go. And then just when I was going to go with my daughter, who is 23, uh, the theaters were closed when we were filming it was, this. It was just released on Disney Plus, which they're so smart with their marketing. So you can get it that way if you get Disney Plus. But um, it was excellent in so many different lessons. It's a great movie for someone who's focused on other success like you are, Ken. So I would highly encourage you to see it. But one of the things was about their their journey to get to where that they were going. And there was the set path, and then there was the path that was going to work for them. And I would encourage each person listening to think about is, is the path that I am currently traveling on actually getting to me the destination I'm trying to go to? Or do I need to look to the side and find a detour that could get me there in a simpler, easier, more enjoyable way? And it might not be the way that most people are going. In fact, most people never find the simpler, more enjoyable way. Mm. But perhaps that's exactly what, listener, you need to do right now. Mm, mm. Well, thank you, Kim, for uh, sharing that. Now, Kim, again, uh, what is the book and how can people find out about you and what you do? The No BS Guide to Direct Response, Social Media Marketing by myself and Mr. Dan Kennedy. And you can find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And then my company is at PowerfulProfessionals.com. Well, Kim, it's been a delight. Uh, we sure appreciate you uh, hanging out with us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been an absolute honor and privilege. Well, Kim, just stay with us. So uh, Secrets of Success listeners, Kim Walsh 
Phillips. Make sure you use all three names because there are so many Walsh's and so many Phillips, right? So Kim has asked you to uh, use all three of those names to find her. You know, all of us have a purpose and a passion, as Kim has said. And we want to get that message out. So Kim is an expert in doing that. What is it about what you do that helps the other person, not about us? So we thank you for sharing your most valuable commodity, your time today. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.